So who would like to guess what IDLC means? Do you know it? Then you're cheating. <laughs> oh, man. It's on the board. I don't like church. And so now you see why I didn't put it up on the marquee. Because I didn't want people to misunderstand. So I don't like church as a series that addresses reasons that people give to why they do not attend the local church. And most of the messages deal with what happens on Sunday mornings, but not entirely. And this is because lots of times when people say, I don't like church, what they mean is, I don't like what happens on Sunday mornings. The memory verse for this series is going to be Matthew 16, 18, and it's a short one this time, not, not even three sentences. I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And this is a promise from Jesus that we can bank on. So here's some reasons why people say, I don't like church. Number one, it's too hard to understand. You know, I show up, and they talk about things that I don't understand, and they do things that don't make sense, and I, I, it's difficult to understand, so I don't like church. Some people say, I don't like church because it's too judgmental. You know, I go in, and, and everybody's got their nose turned up, and they, they, everybody thinks they're better than me, and I don't want anything to do with church. Some people say, I don't like church because all the church wants is my money. Right? They're all, they always got their hands out. They've always got some new campaign or, or some special offering, and they're just after my money. Some people say, I don't like church because I'm not really sure that I want to change. You know, if I go to church, they might tell me I need to be different, and you know what? I kind of like the way things are. And then lastly, a number of people say, I don't like church because I've been hurt by the church. So we're going to cover each of these reasons over the next five weeks, and we're going to start with, I don't like church because it's hard to understand. And when we don't understand what's going on, it's difficult to participate, right? Is it tough for you when you're in a situation, you don't know what's going on, you don't know the rules, you don't know the culture? It's a little bit difficult to participate. I know there's families in here that have had weddings where their children have married people of other nationalities, and they were probably a little bit clueless as to what was going on at those particular ceremonies. Go ahead and bring up that first picture, Miss Kay. Might take you just a minute. So, we were in China, and this was in the spring of 2008. Caleb's preschool teacher, his name is Jack, I have a photo of him in just a moment, um, invited us to go home with him to his village for Tomb Sweeping Festival. Tomb Sweeping. This is a time for families to return to the graves of deceased loved ones and share a meal with them in their honor. Tradition says if they don't do this annually, that bad luck could befall the family at the hands of the dearly departed. So it's a serious thing. So here's his village, and as we were coming into town, we noticed these graves. That's what they are, tombs on the hillside where people could go visit them. Go ahead and bring up the next photograph. And so this was when we were kind of on our way up the mountain to his ancestor's tomb. You can see the, the, the hillside there. And it was a long walk, man. We were tired. Go to the next one. So this is kind of what it looks like when you get up on top of that area. And, and this is actually where we did the ceremony. There's a few more. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what it looks like from above when they're preparing a meal in the presence of their ancestor. Go ahead. Yep, just wanted to give you a gratuitous shot there of the little happy band. That's Jack 
and that's Susanna in the snuggly. You know, we would carry her around with that. And Caleb, and I forget, what was the little girl's name? Yao Yao. That's Yao Yao. She's looking very excited to be on this, you know, <laughs> Caleb, we have so many photos of our kids where they're smiling at the other kids because they're a little bit shy or just they don't look quite so excited. <laughs> Go to the next one. All right, so this is his village, kind of the panorama view, and there's a guy just carrying, he's just kind of carrying wood in a backpack that was very common, and I think I've got one more. Yeah, I just wanted you to see what it's like when you're out there in the village and there's not really a shower. So if you want to wash your hair, this is kind of what you have to do. It was cold. It was really cold. <laughs> All right. So we walked a pretty good distance up a high mountain to the auspicious location of Jack's deceased relatives. After arriving, meal preparations began in earnest. And then I'm going to show you a short video. I'm not going to make you watch the whole thing because you'll, you'll figure out what's happening here in just a moment. But he carried a live chicken to a secondary tombstone. He couldn't actually sacrifice the chicken at the grave. They had to actually set up another tombstone, which was just a rock, because they couldn't, you know, desecrate the grave, but they sacrificed a chicken and sprinkled the lifeblood there to, in order to appease this deceased relative. And, and I'll tell you, you know, in just a moment how awkward this was, but there's a point. Go ahead and pull up that video, and we're going to watch about one minute of it, and then I'm going to have her fast forward to the last 30 seconds. Go ahead. We are going going to kill a chicken. Going to kill a chicken and set up firecracker, right? Chickens had it. Can you use a rock, huh? So yeah, they're setting up the little stone to be the, the, the secondary tombstone. You can imagine what he's gonna do with that big knife. Don't worry, I won't make you watch it. What's that? So they're kind of getting it arranged. They've, they've got incense. They've got little cups, you'll see in a second, of, of rice wine that they're going to offer to the ancestor. See it? In the little cups, in the little flask. But they'll offer most of the food actually at the actual tomb. Use the incense. We're gonna kind of bow. Baijiu, right? Yeah, Baijiu is rice wine. Okay, go ahead and fast forward to the last thirty seconds. Is okay. They kind of get the idea of what's going on. participate in something that was going to dishonor the Lord. So we decided that we were not going to we were not going to participate in the meal. So we walked all the way up the mountain with these people. They had prepared this big meal and then they're saying, okay, it's time to eat. 
And we say, well, we feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, we're Christians and we don't understand everything that's going on. So we're just going to bow out of this one and not participate. And so when we don't fully understand what's happening, when you and I don't understand what's happening, particularly in a ceremony, we're often reluctant to participate. For many people who primarily go to church on Christmas and Easter, this is a real struggle for them, right? If you've been at a church for a while and never been a regular attender, a church service can be intimidating, just like that was intimidating for us. Standing, sitting, praying, shaking hands and making small talk with strangers, and so on. And not only are the customs a bit strange, but mixed messages and subtle jabs can also be confusing. And if you've been in church a long time, you know that it's full, church is full of those things. So here's a few examples I was thinking of last night. Here's a message that we get growing up in church. Don't hang out with non-Christians, right? Don't do it. Don't hang out with them, but bring your unsafe friends to church. Is that a mixed message? How about this one? We are all sinners. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. We just prefer that you keep yours concealed. We don't want to see it, right? We're all sinners, but we prefer that you keep your hands in and I'll conceal mine. How about this one? Come as you are. Come as you are, just exactly as you are, as long as you come as I am, right? That's, that's a mixed message that we send in church. How about this? Salvation is a free gift. It's free. But now that you're saved, there's strings attached, buddy. You better shape up. How about this one? God accepts all who accepts Christ. God accepts anybody who accepts Jesus. But when it comes to doctrine, when it comes to the specifics, God agrees with us. And not all these other denominations. Or how about this? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Unless you plan to bring drums into God's house, and then we're going to have a problem. Right? So there's mixed messages in church. So how can you and I, as insiders, make things as painless as possible for the visitor? How can we make this a risk? Because it's a risk worth taking again. You know, our vision is to be a church that cares, grows, and reaches people together. But how do we do that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we take something that can be confusing, something that can be intimidating, Something that can cause people to feel reluctant to participate. How can we make it as straightforward and simple as possible? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, verses 11, through chapter 11, verse 1 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't do just what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what's the message there? Everything you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And what does that mean? What does it mean, do everything to the glory of God? I'll give you a simple definition. It means everything I do. I'm focused on God, and I'm focused on you. Everything I do, I'm focused on God, and I'm focused on you. So when I'm at church, when I'm in the supermarket, when, I, when I'm at school, I'm focused on God. I want to honor God. I want to show reverence to God, but also 
I want to be focused on you, not me. I want to care about you. I want to think about you. I want to show respect to you so that I can be a blessing and so that God can bless you. And if we're focused on glorifying God, then we can do our part to make church as straightforward as possible. Because the reality is, you can't make ceremonies that are unfamiliar comfortable. But what you can do, and what I can do, is I can focus on glorifying God. And then even though you don't understand the ceremonies, even though you don't understand the standing and the sitting and the praying, you'll recognize something in me. And I'll recognize something in you that says, that person's sincere. That person is not just showing up and filling a spot. That person is here for a reason. They're here because they want to be here. So, simply put, we are here at church every Sunday to do three things. Number one, to declare. Number two, to remember. And number three, to recalibrate. And if we are engaged in these three activities, it's not going to be so difficult for other people to join in. Because when you're in an, an unfamiliar environment, what does it take? It just takes one person. One person to smile. One person to be genuine. One person to be warm. And then all of a sudden you're curious. What makes them that way? What is this all about? So these are what the things that we can do. So number one, we give glory to God. We glorify God by singing. But some of you probably feel uncertain about that. Maybe when you open your mouth and you're, or when you're in the shower and you start singing, you're, you're not sure that it's glorifying to God. And that's okay. That's okay. It's not about the total quality, right? It's about what's in your heart. Psalm 47, 6 and 7 says, Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King over all the earth. Praise Him with us all. So why is singing so important? You know, you might be sitting there thinking, Sing? You know, I just don't do that. I knew a guy, he would go to church, he just, I just don't do that. So why do we sing and why is it important? Well, singing is simply declaring who God is. So how do we give God glory by singing? You want to glorify God in church, then I encourage you with your best voice. Or maybe tone it down a little bit, but I encourage you to sing. Because what you're doing is you're declaring. You're declaring two things. You're declaring, firstly, who he is. So when you and I go and apply for a new job, what do we typically send out? Resume. resume. What, what does a resume include? Hopefully the truth, right? Talk to, talk to HR people now, and they say they get a lot of embellished resumes. But what does a resume do? Firstly, it documents what you have accomplished. I mean, they're, they're not, you know, people hire folks, they're not going to be impressed with, oh, I went to school here, oh, I worked here, oh, I worked there. They want to know what you've done. What have you accomplished? So it communicates a document of what you've accomplished. And secondly, it communicates to a prospective employer what is your potential, right? When you look at a resume, you're, you're not just looking at, at words on a page. You're wanting to know, is this a person that can do the job and that can bring value to the environment that we're wanting to bring them into? So at church, when we sing, when we engage, when we say it with our mouth, what we're doing is we are verbally declaring God's qualifications together. And when we do it from the heart, people can tell. 
And it's like we're, we're verbally putting forth God's resume to become their Savior and their Lord. So I'm going, to pick, I'm going to pick at us for just a second, and I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to put side by side the same phrase with different expression. So the first thing you say when you come to church that you hear all the time is, God is what? God is good, right? So if you're sitting next to somebody and we're singing a song, God is good, God is good. But what if you're sitting next to somebody who says, Or they're not singing at all. And you know who you are. I'm not going to pick on you. But I want you to understand why it's important to open your, or at least mouth the words with, with, with excitement, enthusiasm. Because what we're doing is we're saying God's qualification. So we're saying God is good. And what's the implication? He'll be good to you. God is forgiving. He forgives. He'll forgive you. God is patient. He's not angry. He's not quick. He's patient, and he'll be patient with you. God is generous. He, he is so generous. He's so charitable. He's so good and generous, and he will bless you. And God is trustworthy. You can trust him. And when you and I sing from our hearts, that's what we're declaring. And people hear it. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're also declaring what he has done for us. You know, nothing is more powerful than a personal recommendation, right? When you want to buy a car, when you want to buy anything, what do you look for? You might look for reviews, but you're going to call your friend, right? You want a personal recommendation. If you tell me that a restaurant's not worth trying, I'm probably going to believe you unless you work for the competition, right? I'm going to believe you. And though we may love the preacher, and I, I hope you love the preacher, we're also likely to feel he's a bit biased, right? The preacher's a little bit biased. But hearing your testimony, it's powerful. You're not getting paid to say it. You're not going to benefit from somebody's response. You know, I'm not going to believe Microsoft. But, you know, Hal and Cheryl's son-in-law, Isaac Rhodes, works downtown. I'll believe his recommendation because he doesn't work for him. I'll listen to him. So a personal recommendation is important. So when we sing, we declare who God is and we declare what he's done for us with our personal testimony. Secondly, we give God glory by remembering. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 says this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So when we come together every week and we have the Lord's Supper, we sing, we pray, we're remembering what Jesus did for me and what Jesus did for you. Now, when you receive a gift, what is the appropriate response? Thank you. Thank you. And what do we how do we typically do that? Is it, is it kind of a symbol? You write a note, right? It's good etiquette to write a thank you note when you receive a gift. But upon receiving a second, third, 
or fourth note for the same gift, wouldn't we start to feel a little bit embarrassed? Why is that? But, what if it was a one-time gift that keeps on giving? A one-time gift that keeps on giving and giving and giving, like a trust fund that accrues value and pays out when needed. Similar is that Christ sacrificed on the cross. When we embrace Christ and depend continually on Him, then His forgiveness is continually available to us when we ask for it, when we need it. And so in that case, it is entirely appropriate for us to thank Him regularly and formally every single week. Because it's a gift that was given once that keeps on giving continually. And that's something worth remembering. And each time we remember Jesus' sacrifice, it serves as a reminder because this is the way it works. When you remember, it serves as a reminder to follow his example. Scripture says that no one took Jesus' life. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down for us. And you and I can also put the interests of others above ourselves in order to honor him. In Saving Private Ryan, hopefully the kids haven't seen this yet, while dying on the battlefield, Captain John Miller whispers these words to the man they had sacrificed to rescue. You remember the story? This, this mother had lost three sons. There was one left. They sent a platoon to rescue the one boy. And in the process, many of them gave their lives to save the one man, Private Ryan. And so he whispers into Private Ryan's ear as he's dying. He says, earn this. Earn this. But what's interesting there's, is there's no way. Even as he's standing there at the, at the man's grave as he's lived his life as an adult, he says, hopefully, hopefully I did a good job. I tried my best. But there's no way he can earn it. Can you earn multiple people giving their lives for you? No way. You can't earn it. But you can't honor it. You can't honor it. And that's what I believe Jesus would say to us. Considering, remembering each week his sacrifice for us. He, would, he wouldn't say earn this because you can't. I can't. There's no way we can earn Jesus' sacrifice. But he would say, please, please honor this. Let this influence you. Let this be a reminder of what I've done for you and may you do it for others. May you sacrifice your interest for the interest of others. Please honor this. So if you want to give God glory, you want to make church straightforward and simple, then let's sing. If you want to make church a place where people can encounter God, then let's remember Let's remember who he is and let it be a reminder to follow his example. And then thirdly, we give God glory by listening and obeying. And this is the hard part. I mean, we can sing, we can remember, but, what, but the, the testimony happens once you leave the doors, doesn't it? I mean, that's when the rubber meets the road. James 1, 22 through 25 says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and that could be a whole sermon by itself, 
And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. As we've said before, a tool that is not being used, it's just taking up space, right? This is someone who's listening. They're coming. They're attending. They're reading. They're listening. But they're not obeying. You know, what's the there's only one place where you get better by just reading something. Where is it? You get, you get better. You get, you get um, patted on the back just because you read something. Just because you learned something. School, right? It's the only place where you get better just by reading something. But for anything else, doing is required to acquire. Right? You want to get better at something? It's not just about listening. It's not just about learning. It's not just about reading. Doing is required to acquire something, a skill. To achieve anything. At the same time. So that, that, that dispels the first myth. That you can just listen. And learn a lot. But never apply it. And that you'll be okay. The other thing is that. A tool in use must be recalibrated. From time to time. In order for it to have what? You got a tool. You've been using it and using it and using it. What do you have to do? You got to recalibrate it. Right? In order for what? For it to have another cycle of usefulness. So this is the person that they're obeying. They're determined to do the right thing. But they're not listening. They're not coming to church. They're not studying the word of God. They're kind of running off the past. You ever heard a preacher? And hopefully not me. You ever heard a preacher where you start listening to the sermon and you start thinking, you know what? I think this was prepared and delivered long ago. And I think it's now just being re-delivered. Not even repackaged, just re-delivered. And so the preacher, he, he preaches it louder. He preaches it harder. He preaches it harsher. But he's a tool that's being used, but he might need to be recalibrated. So, in order to have another cycle of usefulness, we need to be doing both listening and obeying regularly. Because the sad thing about a tool that's not being maintained well is that it can actually do harm. Not only is it ineffective, but it can do harm. And so we need to be in God's house singing. We need to be in God's house remembering, but we also need to be in God's house listening and Obeying. So if we have the attitude of a disciple who's going to have to do what, the, what the, the master did, teach what the master taught, we're going to both listen and obey. And you know, finally, like anything else, like anything else with church, you get out of it what you put into it. You get out of it what you put into it. So when you engage in church, and you sing, maybe not well, but from your heart. And when you engage in the ceremony and you remember and let it be a reminder. And when you listen and you obey. The exciting thing is, for somebody who doesn't like church, you're not the only one who's going to benefit. You can contribute to creating an environment where people who are curious and uncomfortable might see you. And say, this might be worth one more shot. And isn't that what the Lord wants? 
He wants us to create a place where people will give it just one more week, just one more shot. Because the sad truth is in most in many churches, I won't say most, somebody will walk in with an attitude and they'll have all their suspicions confirmed. And maybe they'll come back next year. Or maybe never. But you and I, if we engage, we're not the only one who benefits. If we sing to God, remember what he has done for us, and listen and obey his word, then you and I will be a clear reflection and image bearers of our Savior. You know, no mixed messages, no subtle jabs. Don't you hate that when you, when you get to church and there's mixed messages like we talked about and where there's little digs put in there to make you feel bad, to make you feel guilty? Just earnest members of his body that are being shaped and positioned for impact. So the bottom line today is that when I give God my best, when I give God my best, Specifically at church. He brings out his best in me. You know, when you and I come to worship, when we come to remember, when we come to listen and obey, we're bringing our best. We're glorifying God. And he's going to use us to create that environment where people can step in and immediately, ah, this isn't what I expected. I expected to feel bad. I expected to feel unwelcome. I expected to feel like I had wasted my time. And when can I get to the restroom? But they might be surprised. This is not what I expected. Maybe I'll give it just one more. So when you and I give God our best, not because we're afraid, not because we're ashamed, but because we want to, because it's what Jesus did for us. That he's going to bring out his best in us. Pray with me. God, we're so grateful for the church. And even though it's filled with imperfect people like me, it's still the only place that we can go to hear the truth. In an unfiltered, pure way. There's no pundits. There's no... There's no spinning. It's the no-spin zone. We can come in here and we can hear straight from you. Straight from your word, God. And it's filled with people who aren't, again, we're not perfect. But we are sincere. And we do care about you. And we care about your word. And we care about the world. So God, help us as we get so distracted. Help us to be focused, God. Help us to come to church and to bring our best. So that you can bring out your best in us. It's in Jesus' name I pray.